listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hello with Giselle, Joel, and Kyrie. We're here until midnight. Then it's Sports Center all night on 98.7 ESPN. Well, how was your weekend? It was a hot one, right? Today was a scorcher. Hot, humid, uh, perfect day to be inside under the air conditioning, right? Perfect, perfect day, perfect day. And for some of us, that's the way it was. Others had outside work to do. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, I want to hear from you. 1-800-919-3776. Bunch of things going on. First of all, let me start with current events before we go backwards. So as you can imagine on Saturday, the Mets are looking good. And I'm just sitting back and I'm saying, you know what? Hey, this could be a good start. I'll take the first two wins against Atlanta. I'm good. I'll take it. No matter what happens Sunday night, I'm good. If I can get a series, because for me, that's what it's, that's what it's always about when you play baseball. It's winning series, especially when you got this marathon, this, this not marathon, but sprint version of the Major League Baseball season, right? If you win series, you'll be in good shape. So for me, it's all about winning series. So when I'm in the position now for my Mets to be rolling and they're looking and they're ready to to take the first two games from Atlanta, and he did it again. Edwin Diaz. But it wasn't totally his fault, right? No, it wasn't totally his fault because the team didn't hit. And then there was last night, which was, you know, one of those games that every team has during every season when you decide that you are pitching batting practice in a regular game. <laughs> and Atlanta just had the ball flying out of the ballpark, flying out of the ballpark, flying out of the ballpark. So they end up losing two of three to Atlanta. But I was encouraged because I know, and you know as Met fans, that this Boston starting pitching staff is not good. They've got a bunch of injuries. Uh, you know, as you know, Sale is out. Uh, they've got another pitcher, Rodriguez, I believe, is out um, because he's got a heart condition related to COVID, which is very scary, very scary. And our prayers are with him. And so now, so tonight what the Red Sox did was they started, they had an opener. And they're going to have an open to tomorrow night. So it's a parade of arms out of the bullpen. And the Mets, whose offense has been, in the word, invisible, showed up tonight. Mets leading 7-2 as they bat in the top of the eighth. A lot of home runs in the game. Home runs by Conforto, Alonzo, and Dominic Smith. Good to see Dom Smith get some action tonight. You're on the cesspitus giving the night off. So that's a good thing. We'll update you in, uh, in top stories. And, of course, when the game is over, we'll let you know about that as well. As you heard at the top of the hour, Yankees are off tonight. They didn't intend to be. But, you know, with the situation with the coronavirus and what's happening in, in uh, with the Marlins, I mean, 13 possible players and staff with the Marlins, that is scary. And now you wonder, okay, this is the scenario we were talking about, right? This is the scenario that everybody was concerned about. And so far, as we know, it's been limited to just the Marlins. But once again, with contact tracing, we have to find out whether the other teams have it, who else has it on the Marlins team, and you go on and on with this. And then 
that you have to wait two days? That's kind of weird, right? You would think, listen, since you're able to do these tests so often, you would think that you would have the type of test that you would get the results back quick. Such was not the case. It's not the case in, in Major League Baseball. I don't know if it's the case in other sports, but it's certainly not the case in Major League Baseball, and that needs to change. We'll talk about that with you as well. Well, funny, last time I chatted with you, we had this discussion about Jamal Adams, right? And we had this discussion about the fact that if you couldn't trade him now because it would seem like it was a position of need and you were just trying to get him off the team. And in trying to get him off the team, you wouldn't get proper value for him. And then (laughs) the Seattle Seahawks come to town and say, hey, Mr. D, we got a deal for you. And Jamal Adams is now headed to Seattle in exchange for Bradley McDougal, who's also a safety. First round pick in 2021, third round pick in 2021, first round pick in 2022. So on paper, when you look at this, you got to say, considering that you didn't expect that you would have any movement for him, this is a this is a good deal. It's a good deal. You got two first round picks. Now, unless there's a serious injury, clearly it's not going to be a upper first round pick. But still, the first-round pick is a first-round pick. And now Joe Douglas and his crew have to find a way to make sure they make the most of these draft choices. They've got four number ones in the next two years, four. That's how you can change your club around. That's how you can build your club. And now you save some money also. Are they going to miss Jamal Adams on the field? Yeah, they are. He was, and nobody denied that he wasn't a fabulous player. Nobody denied that he had, and especially under Greg Williams' tutelage, defensively, he, he was a difference maker. He was a, he was a playmaker. All right? He was. And so we're not going to sit here and say they're a better team right now without him. It might be a more, you know, kumbaya-type locker room without him from all the folks that I've been reading about his leadership was overrated, but nevertheless, you're not, he was a fabulous player. So now what Joe Douglas is saying to Greg Williams, okay, I got you another safety and you have Marcus May and you drafted the safety and Davis. Let's see what you can do with rotating three safeties and do some, let's do, here's your scheme. Let's get some depth. So now let's see what the jets do. Uh, it is going to be interesting to see how Jamal Adams fares in Seattle as they try to put their defense together and they think they can make a run. But you know what? That that NFC is loaded, right? You've got uh, Tom. Uh, you got Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers. <laughs> you've got the Niners, who, by the way, were in the Super Bowl last year. You've got New Orleans, who's still very good with Drew Brees. You've got a number of teams coming out. You've got Philly. You know, of course, and Wentz can play the whole season. Uh, you still got Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. You can't count them out. Minnesota's not bad. So you still have a number of teams out of the East. Oh, how can I forget the Dallas Cowboys? So you have, you have seven or eight teams coming out of the East that, that are going to challenge Seattle. 
Does this make them a better team? Yeah, defensively it does. There's no question. And that's what Jamal Adams wanted to do. He wanted to play for a better team. Well, now he's got that opportunity. And then this weekend we found out that it probably will be. It's almost assured that Tom Thibodeau is going to be your new Knicks head coach. And all over Twitter, I saw these moans and groans. Oh, that means CP3 is coming. Oh, that means Slim Mello returns to the garden. Oh, that means we got free agents. Oh, just moaning. <laughs> Lots of moaning during this weekend. It was funny. I was laughing, just moaning, 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 moaning. People upset. So I want to get your thoughts. 1-800-919-3776. Your thoughts on Tom Thibodeau being your next head coach, because I know many of you did not want him. Your thoughts on Jamal Adams leaving. Are you, as a Jet fan, are you happy to see him go? Or are you disappointed? You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Pretty, pretty good. Glaber Torres. Hmm. Had a good game, right? <laughs> Played well in Washington. Is, is there something about him with Baltimore and Washington? Is this going to be a thing where, you know, if, if, if he just plays in those two ballparks, he'll be like MVP? <laughs> just those two. Baltimore last year and Camden Yards and Nationals Park this year on Sunday. Wow. Wow. Great time. Uh, not the stellar start you wanted from John Paxton, though. But once again, it's early. It, it's one start. Same thing with Porcello yesterday. It's one start. It's one start. If if they put together a series of those, now you got some concerns, right? Now you're really frustrated. You're like, what is going on? What what am I doing here? But I think I think they'll be okay. Uh, and for me, I'm just going to say this right now before I get to the phones at 1-800-919-3776. Jamie's familiar is pitching in the bottom of the eighth. I know there's runners on second and third with one out, but I don't need Seth Lugo up in this game. Why am I going to, I've got a five run lead. Why am I going to bring Lugo into this game? Let me bring somebody else in. I may, how do I know I don't need Lugo tomorrow night? And I can't pitch him back to back nights. I don't, and I'm not trying, look, I'm not trying to start after three games, four games, criticizing Luis Ross. Okay. I know he knows baseball, knows much more baseball than I did. I know he does, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. Max and Marlboro start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, I just wanted to chime in on the Jamal Adams situation. Okay, Max, um, what you got? Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit betrayed by uh, Jamal. Okay. Um, you know, originally he wanted it to seem like uh, the issues were about getting paid, but, you know, chirping about what he was chirping about, uh, that's not how someone who wants to get paid talks. You can't smash the hand that feeds you, you know? It, it, you can't say such things about ownership but then expect them to feel confident about paying you, you know, being the highest paid safety in the league. It's just, it sounds to me like he just wanted to be out and done. And, you know, he was just saying that it was about the money for the fans. 
Well, you know what, Max? You might be right. I, and I don't know when it changed. It might have been about money in the beginning. Uh, there's still this debate. We do know that uh, Joe Douglas did indicate that they he was saying they wanted to keep Jamal and make him a Jet for life. So, you know, something happened there. And that's the concern you have. If that was a misunderstanding, they could not get the numbers. It was a deal where... You know, the numbers that Jamal wanted were something that the Jets just weren't going to do. Then you understand the breakup. Then it was about money. And I think it started with money, Max, and thanks for the phone call. I think it started with money, but I think it digressed. And it became personal because he became frustrated and upset that he wasn't getting his money. And now he's going to Seattle. And listen, he's got a chance to win there. Uh and because he's got a he's got a heck of a quarterback in, in Russell Wilson, a little tougher to get out of the out of the NFC as I mentioned, but he's got a heck of a chance, and he'll you know Pete Carroll's a great coach. Well, he used to be coach here, he used to be defensive coach, he used to be a head coach, so he knows what he's doing. He has a great relationship with his players, and Jamal Adams now we'll see if he will flourish in the other systems like he did with the Greg Williams. Mark's in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on ninety eight seven. What's up, Larry? Hi, Pete Alonzo. Bad in second. <laughs> Is that who I am today? <laughs> Larry, 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 Larry. <laughs> Next one. Good bounce back. 14 to 1. Ouch. I consider that that, that punch in the stomach loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago when, was it a couple of years ago when, when uh, Washington beat it? I mean, they beat us on like 22 to 1 or 3 and we had, I, I tried uh, to put those type of losses out of my mind, Mark, so I, I don't really remember. I tried to get rid of those. You remember, I think, I think it Charles was a it was a bad one, though. I do remember. It was a bad one. I think I think Charles Darno was pitching that like, in the, in the yeah, right. I think yeah. Charles Darno pitched or something like that. Somebody pitched. <laughs> oh, God. Um, okay, so I'm happy about the Mets. I mean, dog loss, but. A win is a win. I'm glad we came back. I wish that uh, that uh, we had a closed out that second game. It was also close. And, it was. You know, yeah, that would have been the series, too. Okay. We'll, we'll have a chance to get Atlanta again. Lord knows we play them enough. Oh, boy. <laughs> we better show up and grow up next time. You're right. You know, it's going to be too finale to get a series from them. I think that's most important when we play them guys and our division guys get the series. If you get blown out in one of them, but we win the other two, that's a win. I agree. Um, on the Jets and Jamal, uh, I'm going to make this as brief as possible. You know, okay. I wish Jamal the best. You know, Jamal's a baller. And I don't think that you get rid of your ballers, but that's just me. But since they did, you know, the only thing that I can really have confidence in them would be totally 100% hundred with you is Greg Williams. I mean, I don't know much about this, this uh, safety Davis that we drafted. He looks like he can play, but we all seen that before. And then this guy McDougal from Seattle, you know, I'm trying to think that, you know, something Larry, maybe Greg Williams learned something about his own self by having Jamal, because the way that he utilized the safety position, I don't know as he's ever really done that to that extent out mm-hmm. of necessity, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And, and so if, if he did learn that 
you know, I I learned a new defensive trick a la Bill Parcells and uh, a la Bill Belichick. You know, it's like, hey, you know, I know what to do with safeties better than anybody else. Let me mm-hmm. let me see if I can get the new guys that we have. And and if that happens, then you know we'll know that uh, this, this, this that could be something special, even with with Jamal gone. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to be a part of the new Legion of Boom. But that's just me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, Big Bro, it's always my pleasure speaking with you. You already know. And uh, I'll just listen to the rest of the show and the rest of the guys. And everybody have a wonderful, blessed night. All right, Mark. Thanks for checking in. Um, maybe Rojas knows something. Two runs off of Familia. 7-4. Boston still batting with a runner on first and two outs. 1-800-919-3776. Nick is next. Hey, Nick, you're up next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Larry, how you doing? Love the show, man. Thank you, Nick. What's going on, partner? Not much. Couldn't disagree more with your last caller. I, good riddance, Jamal Adams. Uh, I don't want someone on my team that's going to act like that, that's not going to have pride in the organization. I wish him – I do not wish him well in Seattle. I hope his career flops. I'm hurt because he was such a good player, and I feel a lot like I did – when Darrell Revis left, but at least with Revis, you know, uh, with Revis, you knew it was business. Uh, Jamal kind of crossed the line into making it personal, and that's the problem that I have. Um, and he had no pride playing here. You want someone like when Rex Ryan came in with Bart Scott and Jim Leonard? They came here, they made the team theirs, and they wanted to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you're not someone like that, then I don't even want you on my team. And, and good riddance, and I, and I love what we got for him, especially at the safety position. Uh, it's a lot of, tra- that's a lot of draft value. So I'll take it. I think Seattle lost and, uh, you know, hopefully the Jets over the next couple of years make the most out of this. Well, that's going to be the key thing, Nick. Thanks for the phone call. That, that is, and you said it, that's the most important part of this. What can the Jets do with the four pick first round picks that they have in the next two years? Who will they draft and will they be able to develop them? Because that's going to be the thing, right? Because, I mean, let's face it, the Jets, that, that's why so many people, so many Jet fans didn't want Jamal to go because of the fact that the Jets, listen, I'm not saying nothing that Jet fans don't understand. I know they've, they've had issues trying to draft talent and keep them. There's only, I mean, Samini was on with us last week. There's only a handful of players that have made a second contract that the Jets have drafted. So when you have a player who made the who had the impact that Jamal Adams had, and I will disagree with you on one thing, Nick. I think Jamal Adams had pride. I think he had pride with the way he played on the field. I think he did. He wanted to be here. He balled out when he was on the field. There's no question about it. Did you did you like tweets that he may have agreed to or or, or, or things that he said afterwards? No, of course not. As a Jet fan, you want your guys to be all in. You want your guys to love being with your team. And you want them to, you know, sacrifice and do whatever they can. But that's, you know, but this is an economic situation. And part of it was that it started as economics with him. It did. Now, was it realistic to want to be this highest paid defensive player in the NFL, clearly the highest paid safety? Um, Not to the Jets. They didn't think that, you know, they didn't think that he was going, they could afford to pay him that money. Now remember, he was the sixth pick in the draft. 
And so, you know, that's, that's the, that's the situation that you have here. But no, I I agree with what you're saying. I understand you want him to, you know, not do well and whatnot. I, I understand that. But he's too too talented a player to flop unless, God forbid, he has serious injuries that affect how he plays. He will be an asset to Seattle. There's no question about it. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. So an interesting article today in the post about Mark Jackson. Now, obviously, and he knows, and he acknowledged it on the conference call because he thanked all the Nick fans and, of course, Jalen Rose, who said that he would be, Mark would be his first choice, and get in line because there's a number of us here who said that we would love him as our first choice as head coach of the Knicks. And he, you know, as always, he he's Mark Jackson. He's going to take the high road. And he just said, listen, you know, I'm looking forward to the challenge of being able, ready to coach again. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, Ian Begley, SNY's basketball insider, indicated that the Nets were very interested and he thought that there was a very good chance that Mark could end up in Brooklyn, head coaching them. The same article today in the Post indicated that sources told them that um, the Nets are kind of leaning towards bringing Jacques Vaughn back. Now, you know, I don't know. It's early. Got to see how well they do in the restart. Got to see if they make the postseason, how far they go, whatever happens. So it's a little early. But, you know, it's his job until he loses it right now, right? He's the interim coach, and they'll wait and see what he does. But it was just real interesting to hear about, you know, that Mark wants the challenge of coaching again. And I just don't I just don't understand why he has not gotten that after the time from Golden State. As is as was the case with Tom Thibodeau, who did not have the success in his last location as Mark Jackson had in his last location. And it took him this long to find another opportunity. And so while Tom Thibodeau will be the next head coach of the Knicks and he deserves that opportunity, he got through the the game plan and all the interviews and he was the best of the coaches that were available in the Knicks' eyesight. Clearly from a record standpoint, he was better. He's had a lot of success in the league. You know what to expect from him. I'm hoping that he's made some adjustments because I know that players have complained about him previously, but you know, we'll wait and see. Uh, even listening to Barton Hahn today, you know, what you hear about Tom Thibodeau is he works, he works players, he works players, he works players, he yells at players. And once again, with all this traveling he's done around the league and talking to various coaches and watching practices, one would think that he's made some adjustments. So I'm very curious to see what those adjustments will be as head coach for the Knicks. From a player, from a uh, scheme and how he deals with players standpoint. The other thing which he has a lot of say in, but not total say, is going to be the makeup of this team. And while I understand, 
and this is once again quoting Ian Begley, who was on with me, filling in for Carlin last week. Quoting Ian Begley, when Begley said, listen, here's the bottom line. If you're bringing Thibodeau in, you're not going to have a bunch of young kids and you roll the basketballs out and said, okay, let's play. There's going to be some veterans on this club. The question is, what type of veterans are you going to have? Look, I'm all for veterans. I'm all for creating a team that has the opportunity to win some games. Seven years since the postseason? Seven? And probably that long since a winning record. That long since 500. So clearly you want to have, you don't want to keep in the business of losing, losing, losing. However, you don't want to also sacrifice your future by bringing in some high-priced free agents over 32, 33, which has been the problem that the Knicks have done in the past, where you know their best years are behind them and they're going to they're gonna be here for two, three years and you're going, they'll, give, they'll get you just high enough in the post, just high enough record-wise that you'll fall out of the lottery, right? And you're not going to be able to get the type of player that you need to be a building block to move forward in, in, your, in your rebuild. Because that's what this is. This is a rebuild. So those are, the, those are the things that you get concerned about with Tom Thibodeau. And I understand that. From the, from the Knicks standpoint, here's what they're thinking. We're tired of losing. <laughs> we want to have a representative team on the floor with a representative coach who can make us interesting again. That's what we want. And I don't blame them for that. But it's how are they going to go about it? That's the question. All right, that's what I want to know. And I'm very curious to see. And if they're going to take the tact of kind of what the Jets did, okay? And yes, they overpaid. Look, they overpaid for C.J. Mosley. We understand that. But they needed a primetime linebacker with his skills. And so that's why they brought him in. But at least that was his second contract, right? He's still in the prime. He's still a young player in the prime of his career. So if the if the Knicks are going to follow that type of way, where you're getting free agents who are in the prime of their career, you know, in the second their second contract, okay, I'm good with that. But I still need the young players because the young players are the foundation of what you're doing. Because the veteran players, free agents come and go. They come and go. But the players you draft are your nucleus. They're the foundation of your franchise. And those are the ones that stay, hopefully, if you pick the right ones. And so that's what I need to see from them. That's what I'm looking for from from this group that's running the Knicks. And we'll see what happens. Um, Once again, I wish Tom Thibodeau the best of luck. As a Knicks fan, I hope he turns it around. I do. Wasn't my first choice. You know, I I wanted Mark Jackson. Couldn't get him. So we'll see what happens. But it was an interesting weekend sports-wise. And as we mentioned... With aside from that and Jamal Adams being traded for a pair of first rounders and a third and a player that you could use on the field now, 
The other issue was baseball coming back. And Yankees took two of three from the Nationals, did a nice job there. Uh, Paxton, as I mentioned earlier, did not pitch well. But listen, it's the first time around. And so while I understand we're talking about a shortened season, and I understand that we're expecting these seasons to, you know, 60 games. Oh, my gosh, it's 60 games. We can, oh, we can't lose a game. We can't. You're going to lose games. I mean, you just are. But it's early. And so if if he has issues in his second and third and fourth start, then you then you get concerned. If he doesn't have, if he's not going to have those type issues, then you just sit back and wait. He'll work himself out. Remember, he's coming back off an injury in the offseason. All right, so I think he'll be okay. Uh, the situation with uh, Tanaka, when he will be able to get back into the rotation, we'll find out about that. And so that's the thing going forward. The interesting thing that we're waiting on to find out now is whether the Yankees will be able to play tomorrow in Philadelphia. And we're not sure about that yet because of, as I mentioned earlier, the fact that they haven't got the test results back. And so while Major League Baseball is doing this with their test results, and they take two days. I mean, listen, considering the amount of testing that you are doing with your players, because you're not in the bubble, all right? You're not like the National Hockey League. You're not like the NBA. You're flying all over the place. So I would think that you would be able to have access to testing where you could find out at least the same day. I know there's 15 minutes, there's two hours, there's all types of testing that's available. But considering the amount of people that are traveling with teams, minus a lot of broadcasters, right? You still should be able to get your your results right away. And so the fact that you have to wait until tomorrow to find out whether you're playing is just, you know, it just doesn't make sense to me. It should be a scenario where you know Right away, what's going on? You test, you find out. But that doesn't seem to be the case right now. So we'll have to wait and see what's going on with the Yankees. Will they be able to play tomorrow? As I mentioned, the Mets got their win. So that's a good thing for them. So they get back on track. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get fat on these this Red Sox pitching, which is, as we saw tonight, <laughs> not that good. <laughs> not that good. Not. Home runs, good. I love it. Feeling good as a Mets fan. Your thoughts, once again, on the on the Jamal Adams situation, the job that Joe Douglas was able to do. Let's spin it from that standpoint. Were you surprised? You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. I'm curious to see what Tibbs does with RJ and Mitch. I would like to see the Knicks make a solid interest into the postseason by year four or five. I would like to see that too. Uh, four or five, yeah, I, I would like to see that. And then, of course, he's got a five-year deal, so he'll be pushing that because <laughs> he'll be trying to get that extension. <laughs> so maybe that would be a way to go. I am curious to see what he will do with them as well. And what else is going to be in the table? But for me, the biggest thing the Knicks will do, and we'll get to the calls in a second. For me, the biggest thing 
they do is to make sure they get that point guard this season in the draft. That's number. That's imperative. You need a point guard. You do. Got to get it done. Got to get it done. Charlie's in Woodside. Hey, Charlie, you're next on 98.7. Larry, how you doing? I'm doing great, Charlie. What's going on? Oh, okay. Well, certainly the the Yankee postponement gave me an opportunity to watch something, something today. Mm-hmm. I get to watch. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. You can call me Shane Brussel, uh Charlie, Shane Brussel, but finally I see Al saw Ali tonight. You saw what? Ali. Oh, okay. Yes, finally I get to see him. That was great performance by Will Smith. He did I mean, an outstanding how, job. I mean, Muhammad Ali, probably, the, probably. I don't know, what do you think about Larry? Best boxer in his go-down history. Uh, for but, me, he was. For me, he was. But there were those who, like I didn't see, never saw Joe Lewis. Many people felt he was the best. Never saw Sugar Ray Robinson. Many felt he was the best. There are some who like boxers who are closer in now. Uh, but for me, he was he was outstanding. Speed, power, great combination. Oh yes. Well, I got two things. First is mm-hmm. quick. First one's quick. On the Giants. Yes. Before I get to this whole Yankees, like the bubble stuff, where in stuff. Uh, how come they took it so long to release Rosas? And they still have one one comic on the list. And what is that, Baker? Release him. It's well, not well, not yet, and and they're trying to wait and see, which is why really the commissioner did Come a on, favor Larry, to did him it. and he Seattle. Did. Well, we don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. I'm not going to jump in and say he did it. Well, he paid to do. He paid to you somebody know, to like. You know, I mean, I'm not going to say he did it, uh, Charlie. I'm not going well, to. Take, take that. Okay, well, you know, we have our opinions. We might think so, but this and is a situation when you're cutting him. You're saying he did it. And so, you know, you're waiting to see what's going to happen. So by putting him on the, uh, you know, the commissioner's list, you know, he's in limbo. Okay. But I think he did it for me. But on the whole, this postponement uh, stuff on the game with this Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. uh, I know NBA, NBA, NHL has the secure, like, bubble zone, whatever. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, this, if the Major League Baseball cannot contain this outbreak or outbreak, or anything, and if if players uh, inexplicably go out, go clubbing constantly, especially if, if if a particular pair of player A's keep going on clubbing or going to like a uh, restaurant with nut with irresponsible manner, why don't you make them wear like ankle mounters or tracking device or something? Not for those guys who does the right thing, like does the right thing, but especially a troublemakers or violating protocols and stuff, make them wear out ankle monitors or something. So they won't do anything. What do you think about that, Larry? Charlie, I don't know if they they have to go that far. Thanks for the phone call, but they do need to do something. I don't know if ankle monitor is the right way to go. Uh, when you, I mean, look at the Marlins case. I don't think, 13 people all went to to different to, to the same place and they all ended up with the same thing. That, that's Hopefully they'll find out when they go through the tracing. That That's the important part of tracing, okay, for this virus is that you see, you know, who they've been around. And the scary thing about it is, and, and just look, just for a minute before I get back to the calls, just look at what you're seeing on the field. 
Is everybody wearing the mask on the baseball diamond? No. No. And who's to say that one of the Marlin players, and I hope not, I hope not, but who's to say one of the Marlin players that's a, that's infected was standing next to that played. So they're standing next to the Atlanta catcher. Uh, not Atlanta. Um, the Philly catcher. The umpire. And if they got a hit, they were on they were on the base paths without a mask, having conversation. See, that's why they have these things in place. Okay, and and do I understand it's hard for players to get into a new habit? Yes, I do. But guess what? Wake up and 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 try to save yourself. Because you get a scenario. And you heard Buster Olney talking about it in the update at the top of the hour. And Jeff Passan as well. You got 13, let's say you got 11 of your roster that's not able to play. And let's spread that around on a couple of teams. Oh, we shutting down baseball, my friend. We're shutting down baseball. They would have to. You're just praying that there's no positive test by the Yankees and the Phillies. Well, certainly the Phillies. Because the Yankees, you know, they they stuck stayed in their hotel, so they haven't even seen the Phillies yet. But you better hope there's there's no positive test with the Phillies. And there's no because that would be a major because now you're looking at two teams that you've affected. And so and listen. My guy was doing it too. Cespedes, the home run. I understand he was excited. First one this year. First one in two years. I got it. I understand your excitement. I do. Can't be hugging nobody. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be high-fiving. You're not supposed to be doing that stuff. You're not doing it. NBA, scrimmages. I see people high-five. Watching the Nets the other day. They're high-fiving, slapping five. Yeah, it's a good play. Yeah, good job. No. No. You're not supposed to be doing that. It's bad enough you can't social distance. And in the clubhouse, in the dugout, they're sitting there next to each other. Yeah, you know what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good hit, wasn't it? Yeah, he's doing that off-speed stuff. Will you put a mask on, please? Please. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, start your day the right way with Gordon Damer tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Gordon will get you rolling, rocking and rolling on your Tuesday. Leading into Golik and Wingo, jam-packed edition of the show. Buster Olney, Adam Schefter, Dr. Myron Roll, former NFL DB and neurosurgeon, will join the guys. As will Rhodes, Stefania Bell, Jeff Van Gundy, and Eduardo Perez. Jam-packed edition of Golik and Wingo. Following the Gordon Damon show and right before DPH Canty and Rothenberg right here on 987 ESPN. By the way, Jeff Van Gundy will also join the Michael K show tomorrow night, uh, tomorrow afternoon from three to seven. And there is a rumor that uh, Chris Carlin is back tomorrow night <laughs> and magic coach Steve Cliff, Steve Clifford will join Chris. Welcome him back to get the other side of what's going on in the bubble and their first round matchup with uh, the Brooklyn Nets. So Chris Carlin returns to Carlin here on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phones. Trey is in Brooklyn, Texas, and he joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. Good evening, Larry. What's going on? 
Mr. Trey, how are you? Everything is good. Everything Excellent. is good. You? Excellent. I'm great. That's what's up. That's what I'm I always like to winded, but I'm great. Like Yeah, yeah. Got a lot to unpeel, man. So let's jump into it. You ready to go to work? Go. Yes. All right, let's do it. So Kyrie and I decided to switch up on you tonight. Uh-oh. Audibles. Omaha. Yeah, we had the audible. Yeah, we had the audible. We had the audible. So what we decided to do with all this conversation about schools opening mm-hmm. and when they're going to open and when they should open, we are shouting out the National Association of School Nurses. Mm, nice. nice. Who are going to be, if, who are definitely going to be on the front line. Whenever no schools open, they are definitely going to be on the front line. So we are shouting out all the school nurses in all the schools across this country for the great work they do. And you know what? They're nurses, they're psychiatrists, they're social workers. They've got a number of different titles when you're dealing with kids who want to go down to the nurse's office. This hurts, that hurts. But, you know, all jokes aside, uh, they're really going to have their work cut out for them when these kids mm-hmm. come back. Whenever they nah, come Nah, you're right. You're right, Larry. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. That's a good one. That's a good one because, like you said, Larry, they know probably more about these young kids than we do. Well, it's not, there's no question. You know, right they know when they're faking. They know when they're keeping it funky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, man, you better get, your, get you a pass and go, by, go back to class. You ain't nothing wrong with you. You know? That's right. That, that's the kind of nurses I had at PS335. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Get yeah. out of here. And unfortunately what you doing for down me, here? I live right next door to the school, Larry. So they tell I could call you, maybe call your grandmother. Oh, so, no, yeah. that's not even. Oh, that's worse. Yeah, not good. Not no, good. No, very bad. Very bad. All right. All so I'm going to go a step above that a little bit. I want to shout out all the nurses at PS335 on St. Martin Utica Avenue in Brooklyn. I want to shout right. them out, man. Definitely. Excellent. Definitely. Excellent. I don't think the same one's still there, but. Yeah. You might be surprised. <laughs> you never know. You never you might be little surprised. old, Larry. A little old. My daughter turns twenty one tomorrow, so I'm a little getting getting there. Well, you know, you young men <laughs> starting young. <laughs> true true indeed, Larry. We'll 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 talk about that another day. We'll, we'll, we'll like, leave it we'll leave it right there. <laughs> some of that math don't add up, Trey. You're what? You have a son that's what? Yeah, like yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. In the word in, in the words okay. of Michael K, I'll play along. I'm a- <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> All yes, right, sir. so tonight we're going to go to the borough of Brooklyn, Kings okay. County. That's where we're going tonight. We're going right. to go to New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Okay, great. And shout them out. Let them know we're thinking about them, man. You know, like I said, y'all doing the right things up there. And it, and hopefully, you know, this, this curve is really going to flatten this time and people do the right things, wearing masks, washing their hands, doing those, those safety protocols that's going to keep us safe, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hate what happened Absolutely. to the Marlins happened to the Marlins, but you know we just you know that's that's you know so very it's I, I know it looks big, but it's isolated. So as long as they can keep isolated and contained, mm-hmm. then you know what I'm saying then you put the safety protocols in place and then you go forward. Right. And that's Absolutely. what they're doing over here in Brooklyn. So we wanted to shout them out tonight, man. Let them know we're thinking about them and and prayers up to them. You know, what I'm saying for all the hard work and sacrifice they do. Here, 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 here. All right. So I had a question for you. Uh, did I hear right that Woody is on the staff with Tibbs? Uh, that's what I'm hearing, but it is not official because I'm hearing Woody's okay. on the staff. I'm hearing Mike Miller's going to be on the staff. I'm like, is, okay. 
I mean, did he agree to have anybody? Is he going to bring any of his people on the staff? How many coaches go on the staff? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm just, hey, Larry, whatever it takes at this point, man. You know, I say, you know, I say, you know, it takes a village to raise a child, man. Well, we, it looks like it, it looks like we going the old school route. So I don't really know what all them coaches is for. We going to get Chris Paul and his cane and and you know and bring Melo back and he's eating wheat thins now. And you know, it's, uh, Larry, I don't know where we're going, but I, but if he does like veterans, you know, I just saw uh, the other Curry the other night go six for six from three, twenty three points. You started, I'm you started just, it. You 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 just wet my appetite, Larry. I'm just that. damn saying, man. The boy can put the ball in the hole. We ain't had no guard do this in a long time. I'm just saying, Larry. I ain't trying to be a jerk or nothing. Try to tell somebody how to do their job. I'm just saying, Seth Curry could help this team. Nothing wrong oh, with having three-point makers. Dear God, man, this is what I'll try. We've been talking about for four years, Larry. That's right. Big shot makers. Damn the takers. We didn't have jackets for years. Yeah. We need makers. Very important. Yeah. So I'm just saying, for six for six from three, 23 yep. points. Mm-hmm. The kid can play. Yes, He's a no veteran. Question. Also, is he not a veteran? Yes, he is. Larry, come on, man. It makes sense. It, it does. All it right. does. Well, and those are the type on. of – and one thing, Trey, before you move on, those are the type no, no, of veterans no, no, I'm talking about. See, those yeah. are the type of veterans I'm talking about. Second contract. These are yeah. – you're talking about guys like this. That, that's where I'm – that's where I'm – okay, we can work with that. Don't bring me right. no 34, 35-year-old guy trying to come in here. <laughs> not, to, not, not that there's anything wrong with age. Not that anything wrong with 34, 35-year-olds. But I'm just saying for my team, I've seen that. Don't need to do that right. anymore. Give me the 27, 28-year-old veterans that want to come in Absolutely. and show these young kids how to how to take the next step. That's what I'm talking Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Larry, I mean, this is all me and you and Spike talk about. You know, at nauseum, we talk, we we kill this audience with this stuff. But this is what this is what this is what it is. This is what it's gonna take to win in this league. And it don't t- it don't take a rocket scientist, man. You don't have to be Dr. Myra Roll to understand that if you play defense just a little bit, or my West Indians say just a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm t- Larry, you get good point guard play. You don't have to have a a, a dominant big. You need shooters that can make shots. That's mm-hmm. all you need. I know it sounds yeah. e- it's easier said than done, but this is the formula. I'm yeah. telling you, man. I, I Larry, I don't mind Tibbs if I, I didn't want him, right? But mm-hmm. I don't mind him because he's been here before. He's got blood in the ground, like Alan Hahn says. So I, I trust Tibbs to put a product on the floor that's going to be good. My only fear, Larry, is that if there is a mutiny, then what? But if you say Woody's on the staff, then Woody next up. Take the job. And then we go from there, and then we just fulfill the prophecy from when he put the banner up in the daggone garden a few years ago anyway. Yeah. I'm, yep. I'm 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 not that nervous about it. I don't think that this seals the deal that we don't get Lamelo Ball. First, we got to win the damn lottery. I'm a lot of Nick fans just swear Lamelo's just coming. Yeah, you know, and like I told you, lottery. I think that it real, come on, man. We're I ain't worried about lottery. no lottery. I ain't worried about no damn free agency. You go get Ty Maxey. You go get uh, you go get uh, Seth Curry, and mm-hmm. and you and you build a daggone team. And mm-hmm. as far as the Jets go, real quick, yep. yo, feet to the fire, man. We got the yo. I didn't know that Mechanicsville, Georgia, which is where Joe Douglas is from, mm-hmm. I did not know that, that that they breed killers out there and muggers because he mugged the GM out in Seattle. He did. I thought, I, man, I thought, yo, I thought, I thought Joe Douglas was from Brooklyn the way he did them. That's a Brooklyn move. We do it with no mask on, Larry. Get, give it up. Run it. And that's what he did to them. 
Prez, I wish you the best out there in the Pacific Northwest. Y'all have to win a Super Bowl. It's Joe Douglas now who has to build a team. So now his feet are right on the campfire, baby. He ain't got no socks on, no flip-flops. Get to work. This is on you now. You got you fleece the team. Now you got to build that right back, and you got to put right back those assets that you that you got from Seattle. Put it right back in the team and see where we go. I like the move, Larry. That was amazing what he did Saturday. Amazing, and he did it with class too. He didn't crap on Jamal. He didn't do that. He didn't burn no bridges. Classic uh-huh. Ozzie Newsome move, Larry. That's yeah, how you fleece true. the team. It's true. That's how you, you, you can the see team. the influence. You can see the influence. No question. All right, Trey. We'll talk Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Thanks, right. my friend. Speaking of uh, Bradley McDougal, did you see his uh, tweet? Said he spoke to uh, his former teammate, Jadavian Clowney. Told me, tell the, quoting him, he told me to tell the Jets to come get him. Let's make it happen. And McDougal included a photo of their video chat. Hmm. Could you could could you see that as a Jet fan? Now, here here here's the questions I have. Okay, here's the questions I have about that. One, why is he still available? That's number one. Number two, how much is he asking? If he's asking twenty twenty one a year, could the Jets do that now? I mean, they got some money because uh, that former all-pro lockdown corner (laughs) is off the books. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, number 22. (laughs) Trailing over the middle. So he's off the books. I think he makes, what, 12, 13? It would be the pass rusher folks said they want it. He didn't play badly in Seattle last year. He's a difference maker. Is that the next move? Or do you, listen, you got some first round picks now. Do you just say, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to spend any more money. We're going to save our money. Move it towards next year because we don't know what the salary cap is going to be next year, how it's going to influence it. We'll save our money. And we'll go through the draft and we'll we'll find us somebody who can do that. But it is uh, tempting, isn't it? Because hmm? clearly you're not going to have to pay Jamal Adams anymore. Huh. I wonder what the Jets will do about Jadavion Clowney. And is he about to drop his price if the Jets say, uh, we're not paying that much, but we're interested. Huh. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us. Thank you, Joel, Giselle, and Kyrie for your work as always. We'll follow Carlin tomorrow night at 10, but right now it's Sports Center all night on 98.7 ESPN.